We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. About five or six weeks ago, we uh, talked about Daniel. And we used the first chapter. We talked about how we're to stand out. We're to stand out for the right things in the right ways, the right times. And we do this by making a predetermined resolution. We decide ahead of time what we're going to do or what we're not going to do in specific situations. Well, today we're going to talk about how to stand up. So we talked about standing out. And today we're going to talk about how we stand up. Because at some point in time, somebody you love, somebody we love, is going to make unwise decisions. And every now and then, God's going to prompt us to stand up for what's right, to help guide them back on the right path. Is this a little hot? I feel like it's feeding back. No? All right. (laughs) Some of us are overly confrontational. When we talk about standing up for what's right, we're like, yeah, bring it on. I'll I'll tell you what's right. But we need to use wisdom. And we need to be careful when we confront people. And then some of us are more passive, right? We tend to not want to confront at all. Um, How many of us are confrontational? Don't raise your hands. (laughs) Think about it for a second, though. How many of us are confrontational? How many of us are passive? And we can probably be both, depending on the situation, depending on what's going on, but we probably lean uh, heavier towards one way than the other. And so we have two different extremes here, right? Uh, Some are unwilling to confront the passive. We tend to rationalize things. Uh, We say things like, that's none of my business, or who am I to judge, right? Who am I to judge? And then the other extreme is that we confront kind of unlovingly. Um, There's no context or relationship. Things kind of just spew out. Um, And those things that spew out may be right, Um, but there's no context or relationship. And so we really need to seek God for wisdom. Um, So how do we confront in the right way at the right time for the right reasons? And so we're going to take a look in Daniel again, but this time we're going to be in chapter 4. And here's a little backdrop. And so I did a little research on Nebuchadnezzar and found out just how evil this guy really was. And to give you an idea, Saddam Hussein 
saw Nebuchadnezzar as his ultimate hero, he actually believed, Saddam Hussein believed that he was Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated. That's, that's true. And what's interesting is Nebuchadnezzar saw God. He saw God work and move enough to where it would get his attention. And he'd kind of even lean in towards the things of God. Like many of us at some point in our lives, right? We're drawn in towards the things of God. And then maybe like Nebuchadnezzar, uh, pride kicks in and we, we pull back and we say, forget that or never mind or... Or that wasn't God. Maybe some of us have that kind of ongoing spiritual tension on the inside of us, right? Like we're going after God, we're going hard after God. Then we kind of back off. We go after God, we back off. And that's kind of, that was what was going on with Nebuchadnezzar. And so in chapter, Daniel chapter 4, God gives Nebuchadnezzar this crazy dream And the dream freaks him out so much he can't sleep. So he calls for his uh, magicians and interpreters and asking them what it means. And some versions of the Bible um, say they could not interpret the dream. Other versions say they would not interpret the dream. There's a big difference right there. Um... And we won't get into why that is. Some versions say one thing and some say the other. It's my opinion that they would not. That's that's my opinion. Um, Because, and we're about to read it, but when you read this, when you hear this dream, a second grader could probably interpret the dream. At least to the extent of saying, yeah, this probably is not going to be a good thing for you. You know, maybe not the exact. I'm thinking they knew exactly what it was like, what it was going to be. But they were like, we are not letting you know. We are not telling you what this is about. Because Nebuchadnezzar was famous for killing the messenger with bad news. So if you're one of his minions and you don't have the God of the universe on your side... And you get this, he tells you this dream, and you're like, yeah, no, (laughs) I'm not dying today, friend. (laughs) Don't know what it means, right? Don't know what it means. So the king asks Daniel. The king asks Daniel. And the last time we talked about Daniel, he's about 14 or 15, At this point in the story, by chapter 4, he's about 45 to 50. And he's already interpreted many dreams for the king. And so they have a relationship. And it's been solid for decades. They've got a relationship. So let's take a look real quick at Daniel 4, uh, 10. We're going to read 10 through 17. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, 
Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, the birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven. And let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast. And let him seven times, and let seven times pass over him. This decision is the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Wow. That's deep and heavy. And at the same time, pretty easy to interpret, right? So then we go on a little bit in between verses in 18 and 21. Um, Daniel's kind of saying, he's interpreting it here, he's saying, King, O King, I wish this applied to your enemies. He's kind of showing that he genuinely cares for the king. You know, he's getting ready to interpret it, so he gives the good news before he gives the bad news, right? I wish this were not true for you, you know? And then in verses 22 through 26... That's where he actually interprets the dream. And it's not good. Nebuchadnezzar is going to be driven away from all of humanity. Uh, Basically lose his mind. And that's what happens to him. And this is going to go on for seven years. For seven years. Now Daniel could have stopped there. He could have stopped right there. He did what the king asks him to do. He interprets the dream. Right? That was it. That was all the king wanted. But he didn't do that. He didn't leave it there. He had the courage to do something that literally risked his life at the time because of who the man the king was. And he stood up to the king. And not out of pride or arrogance. And not because he thought he was better than the king. He stood up to Nebuchadnezzar because he loved him. He loved Nebuchadnezzar. And he wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know the goodness of God. That's, that, in this day and age, that seems so far out of the realm of our thinking. You have this evil, evil man 
And you have this godly man who serves him unashamedly. And with a genuine care, not even just out of a sense of obligation. How many of us are in the workplace and we serve our bosses who may not be the best people? I have the greatest boss, by the way. Just let me... I have the greatest boss. I have the greatest boss. If you... The greatest boss. But how many serve bosses who may not deserve to be served like that, and, but we do it maybe out of a sense of obligation uh, to keep our jobs, not out of a true sense of caring for an individual. But that's not Daniel. Daniel truly cared for Nebuchadnezzar, and he wants him to know the goodness of God so that he changes his ways and begins to serve the king of the universe And then in verse 27, we see, let's read this. It says, Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. He basically tells him, stop sinning and do what's right. Gently, humbly, and in relationship. In relationship. I don't know when or under what circumstances, but if you're a follower of Christ and living in a Christian community, as we're supposed to be, Encouraging one another, loving, supporting, praying for each other, just doing life around God's word. There's going to be a time God's going to call you to stand up to someone. Someone who's making the wrong decisions. And it's to help them get back on God's path. Just in the same way that there's going to be times when God calls others to stand up to us when we're making bad decisions to help us get back on God's path. And whenever God calls us to do that, it's important to be prayerful about how to do it. Let's take a look at Galatians 6.1. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken... In any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Gently and humbly, not harshly or arrogantly. Gently and humbly. I love you, man. You know? I'm not better than you. (laughs) I don't want to see you hurting yourself. I care about you. Then Paul says, considering yourself lest you be tempted, or be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So we're going to take that 
And when we confront, we're going to be prayerful and we're going to pray two simple prayers. We're going to pull two simple prayers out of Galatians 6.1. God, help us to confront with the goal of restoration. When we confront, we want the goal to be restoration. Restoration with God. We want to help someone get back on the right path. We never confront because we're right. We want to help them get back on the right path. Gently and humbly. I have a story for you. This is going to come as a surprise. So when I was younger in my Christian walk, um, just coming out of a lifestyle of not really caring much about God at all, um, I had a pastor who took us, Amy and I, and his name was Pastor Randy. I think you guys, I've talked about him before. You'll probably hear me talk about him many times because he was the first pastor to take me in. So he dealt with a lot of my garbage. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Um, I used to have somewhat of a, of, of a harsh language. Um, I can be, even now, I can be uh, pretty blunt. I don't think my language is necessarily harsh. Jessica, do you think I'm... My, you do? Oh, ouch. Okay, well, anyway... Back at this time, not only was it harsh, but it was also a little crude. Um, Yes, yes, crude. Yes, harsh and crude. Not vulgar or outright profane, but harsh and and crude. Um, I remember being in line at a restaurant one time, and this is the the example I wanted to bring up. And we were, uh, it was after... Uh, a prayer meeting we had had at another church and a bunch of us from our church were in line at a restaurant waiting to be sat and we were talking about this um, Christian guy who had a radio show and he talked about different things and I kind of felt like the guy was a bit pompous but those were not the words I used while we were in line uh, waiting and Pastor Randy looked over at me after I had said the things I spewed out, the things I spewed out. And uh, he just kind of looked over at me and gave me a look. And um, It wasn't until the next day that he talked to me, you know, and he just... It was just real simple, like, hey man, you have changed your life. You you shouldn't be talking like this anymore. These are not the things that should be coming out of your mouth. You should be speaking life-giving words, you know? And it, it was that simple. But it was in context and it was in relationship. Had we not had relationship, I don't know if it would have taken root like it did. He, he was right, it was right, but without relationship, it's just not the same. 
when we have no relationship with someone and show no love, your correction is going to fall completely by the wayside. It's, it's a complete waste of time. If you correct in love but lack the relationship, it's going to go over better. It'll, it will go over better. But for the optimum results, we want relationship and love. We want relationship and love when we're correcting people. And now the second prayer is, God, help me to confront with caution. Help me to confront with caution. Paul says, after he says gently and humbly, he says, lest you fall into the same temptation yourself. Why do you think that is, lest you fall into the same temptation yourself? When we're confronting people, we become vulnerable to pride. We become vulnerable to pride. I'm spiritual, you're not. You know, maybe you're not saying that out loud, but God's using me in this situation. God's using me to correct you. And a little bit of that puffed up Look at my relationship with God. God's using me. I'm spiritual. That can, that can become pride. In and of itself, it's not. But that can become pride. And before long, what happens is we can kind of subconsciously embrace the pride. And that becomes sin. Once we subconsciously embrace the pride, it becomes sin in our lives. If we're really concerned about a specific, a specific issue to confront somebody about, it could be that God's given us a burden for that issue, or it could be the issue reflects a weakness in our own hearts. And we need to understand that before confronting somebody. If I were a betting man... I'm not a betting man. I bet that when we have an issue with somebody, with something somebody's doing, in the spiritual, more often than not, it's a heart issue that we have with ourselves. And that's why we have to, part of why we have to be prayerful about these things. Gently and humbly, lest you fall into the same temptation. If I ever bring correction to you, I'm not higher than you, I'm not better than you. You know, these are the things we have to be mindful of. We're all lower than God. All of us are lower than God. And when we realize that we're lower than God, and we're trying to lift each other to the things of God, then we can do it accurately. If the worship team wants to come on back up. The last thing we ever want is a church full of people who are against each other, full of pride. It's the worst, right? How many of us can't stand that 
most of us Christians are known for what we're against. Right? We're, we're known, the world knows us by what we're against. But we want to know, be known by what we're for. We want to be known by what we're for. And we're for the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's, that's what we're for. Uh, we're for other people. And we want to see people grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what we're for. And that's what we want to be known for. And that's exactly what Daniel does. King, I wish this were not for you. I wish it was for your enemies. But it does apply to you. Here's what it means. And I humbly tell you, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Do what's right. Because if you do that, maybe you'll continue to prosper. That's that whole story in a nutshell. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? Does he say, forgive me, let's take communion and rejoice? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. Even in context, even in that context of relationship, having known Daniel all those years with Daniel interpreting many, many, many dreams for him, he does not do that. He um, continues to rebel against God and exactly what Daniel interpreted would happen would happen. For seven years, he lost his mind. He was out in the wilderness living like an animal, literally. Some of us are going to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit and we're going to get it right. Some of us are not going to be overly confrontational. We're not going to be arrogant or harsh. We're going to confront lovingly. And sometimes people are going to turn and sometimes they're not. But that's not our job. Our job is just to be obedient and to confront in that loving way. It's God's job. Once we do our job, it's God's job with the person who we're speaking to. It's His job to, to, to help them to turn or not. We're just responsible to be obedient, to do it right and trust God with the results whatever they may be. And that's what Daniel did. And seven years later, by the grace of God, Nebuchadnezzar raises his eyes to heaven and his sanity was restored. Seven years later. And then he praised, it says he praised the Most High and honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Seven years later, the king repents of his sin and he turns to God and God's glorified because Daniel had the courage to stand up to a king that had the power to take his life. You guys stand.
just like for Nebuchadnezzar, seven years it took for him to repent. Uh, we don't have to wait. Now is always a good time to turn. And even if you've given your heart to the Lord, sometimes we allow the culture. You know, I always love hearing about Daniel because he was so, I mean, his face was focused. His mind, his heart, everything was focused on the Lord and he didn't allow the culture to get in him and to sway him. I wish I could say that I'm like that, but sometimes we allow the world, we allow circumstances, situations to start to sway us. And so there is always the time and the time is now to accept the Lord. And if you've done that, maybe you've allowed circumstances in your life to sway you from the things of God. Good news, friend. There's never a better time to simply make one move in the right direction and he's right there. You know, it's the enemy that tries to tell us that God is so far. You know, we've done so much wrong and and that pushed him away even further. That is a lie. It's not true. All you have to do is you just make one flinch in the right direction and he meets you right where you are. And that's his desire today, is to meet with you. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray. And with every head bowed, eye closed, just allow me to pray and have your heart open to receive what the Lord would say to you. Father, thank you that your purpose is always restoration. And just as we pursue and pray for restoration in relationships and circumstances I just I can't even say the word without thinking of all that you did to restore us back to you father thank you for the sacrifice that you made thank you for giving your life so that I could get mine back Thank you, God, that we have the opportunity to surrender our lives and to fully, completely turn to you. Your plan and purpose is good. And I ask right now by your spirit that you would knock on the hearts of your people. That you would knock on the hearts of the daughters that you've longed to come running back home. That you would begin to tap on the hearts of the sons that you have desired to hold so closely. God, your plan and purpose has always been restoration. And there's an opportunity right now. And God, we will not pass this up. We won't move on until we've presented the opportunity that you've given to all of us. And that is complete restoration with the Father. A right relationship with you, Jesus. If you're here today and you don't have that right relationship with the Lord... 
you've known him, you, you love him, but you, you walked away and you want to you wanna say, no, today I'm turning back around and, and I want to be in that right relationship with my father who's been pursuing me. What I'd like you to do is just slip up your hand if you feel that the Holy Spirit has been tapping on your heart and that's you and you want to make a turn and you want to turn back to the Father that's been pursuing you. Would you just slip up your hand if that's you? Father, thank you. Thank you for those that want to turn back to you, God. Thank you. Thank you. What I'm going to ask right now is that if you raised your hand and if you would like to make that step of saying, yes, God, I want all that you have for me, I'm going to ask you to come. And what we're going to do is we're going to close with a, a song worship team. If you would, I just know that the spirit moves through them. So whatever God puts on your heart to play, um, if we could just close with a worship song and we're going to open this altar. And if you raised your hand, thank you. Let's, if you would allow me the privilege of praying with you, I would like to do that. And if you didn't raise your hand, it's not a lost opportunity. God can meet you right where you are. And you can also come to this altar and I will gladly pray with you. Because God doesn't want us coming in here and then leaving the same way we came in. His ultimate goal for us is that we're always being, that we're always being drawn closer to him. So, Father, thank you for what you're doing right now. We thank you for who you are. And I just ask that, that we would give you all of ourselves during this time of worship as we close our service. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.